Hello, listeners. Welcome to another week of Unplayable. Um, this week, it's all about Rory McIlroy as he gets back to world number one for the ninth time in his career. I'm joined by Joe Nealon. Joe, how are you? Good, good. Con yourself? Very good, very good. And Cooper Nolan, are you well? Morning, gents. So, Rory wins the CJ Cup in South Carolina to overtake Scotty Scheffler as world number one. We all know Scotty Scheffler was a shite world number one, so good to see normality resume. Joe, Rory had slipped to 14 in the world um, around the, la- the time of last year's Ryder Cup, which was his worst ranking since 2009. Since then, he's gone on a tear, winning four times, including the FedEx Cup Tour Championship. He's come in the top eight in every major this season. Good to see the greatest player of this generation back where he belongs. Yes, yeah, everything's right, I suppose, with the world now that, that Rory's back to, to number one. Um, he's returned to, for the first time since, I think, July 2020, which it's funny, it's kind of been spoken about like it's been 10 years, but it just shows kind of the caliber of Rory that two years is a long time for him to be absent from that spot. But yeah, fully deserved, like his dominance really over the last kind of since April. I think it's his last 15 events is a 12 top 10s and um large number of top fives obviously three wins in there as well um and defending a title twice which is uh remarkable um so no really like incredible performance um gave himself gave himself a nice buffer there on sunday to uh to make a couple of bogeys down the down the stretch but um he uh yeah he his his game is in incredible shape i suppose since uh since earlier in the year like he, if you listen to i suppose his interviews there um after you could tell he kind of he was in a in a tough enough place after the Ryder cup last year i think i wasn't he in tears after uh after that singles match i think it was the only only point he put on the board and um, obviously for him that's way short of his expectations so but he's come yeah he's come full circle you know defend the title and he defended the title cj cup there at a different course which is you know more impressive so no it's great great to see him back there so hopefully he can stay there for a while anyway mm. yeah cooper joe mentioned there finished bogey bogey but still good enough to get the job done yeah like i guess he's the the one thing that kind of Rory has been doing incredibly well lately is driving um and like this week alone I think he had not only was he driving it kind of incredible distances but he was keeping it a lot more straight and that's kind of been a a, a, a key characteristic of the last the last few months as Joe's mentioned it's he's he's absolutely leveling the ball but he seems to have his timing right um and like the advantage he has is absolutely ridiculous like this week alone he had six drives over 357 yards like when you're kind of driving an average of 323 and keeping it somewhat straight 
like it's the it's the fourth largest average driving distance since Shotlink has been introduced in the last like 20 years uh, by a winner. Um, so to actually hit it long and actually win is still a very tough thing. And when you're Rory McIlroy, it's not that bad. Um, but Joe mentioned they're defending the title as well. Um, just a, a, a weird start, I think it was from Justin Ray during the week. Um, that's McIlroy's 23rd win. And uh, to bring in the GOAT into the equation, uh, Tiger Woods defended 23 different titles. So it kind of shows just how how dominant he was and those kind of stats that we don't really think about too often. But when a player like Rory McIlroy in form plays incredible golf, gets back to world number one, we're still looking at this kind of shadow of the absolute peak of golf 10 odd years ago. So it's, um, yeah, it's it, it's what I think this week will now be his 108th week on, on, on tour as world number one. He only has 11 years to keep it at world number one to catch Tiger. So it's it's kind of crazy the kind of stats that pop up when, when someone like Macro gets back up to the top. Um, but no, he, he played he played incredibly well. Um, as Joe said again, the, a different course which makes it a bit more difficult to retain a title. Um, but still, he, he kind of had a bit of a fight with Ram. Um, was our man Ryan Fox up there as well? Um, coming into the straight, um, was it Ryan Fox? Um, Kiriyama. Oh, I thought it was Ryan Fox. Um, but it well, Ram was the the absolute danger. But he had a really kind of silly three putt early on in the round on the Sunday, and that it seemed to deflate him completely. Um, but no, he's um, it's amazing to see him back as as the world number one. And yeah, like with with the form that he's been showing over the last few months, if he if he if he can just bottle that up now and keep it going till April, he might finally get the career Grand Slams over the line. Well, that's it before we go into the grand slams uh, you mentioned a couple of tiger stats there so the uh, outside of tiger rory has the highest conversion rate of 54 hole leads he's converted 58 percent of, of his 54 hole leads since 2011 behind rory is jt with 57 percent. so just over half the time rory and jt are getting it done um but Tiger, his record is a hundred percent getting getting shots done. Absolutely, it's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but since we're on the topic of of stats, not to to go too much into it, but I was given Rory's gone back here to world number one now for the ninth time. I always think of Rory as the most dominant player of the last decade. Like if we go back even slightly before that, maybe around maybe 2009, 2010, um, the 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 best win percentage of any players under 35 in the PGA Tour, Rory's win percentage is 10%. So he wins 10% of the time he plays. DJ was next with 7.8. Then there's JT at 7.5. Um, on the list, you've got Mark Howell, Cantley, Spieth, Ram, Xander. But Joe, if we're if we're comparing the the top players in the world over the last decade if you think of brooks you think of dj all the names that i mentioned there rory surely has to come out on top yeah it's i i definitely think so i suppose yeah yeah you do have to look at those stats 10 percent winning uh percentage is amazing really like that's incredible and i suppose like looking at those last 15 events, he has a 20% winning 
um ratio so you know he's 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 getting stronger um he is still behind dj obviously in the nut world uh, ranking weeks spent at number one i think he's got oh has he got about 10 weeks to catch him or something like that um which i think inevitably he'll do i think dj's only going one way as we know um so yeah there's there's look there's there's lots of points you kind of need to look at here i think the majors are obviously something that people will argue it's been you know it's going to be nine years anyway between between major championship wins but i think his consistency i saw as well in 2012 when he first reached number one i think it was after the honda um the were the top 10 at that point and um, i think he'd luke donald was second westwood was third i think hunter mayan was in the top 10. hunter like, mayan was 10th yeah that yeah such a crazy throw yeah it just shows you the the longevity he's had over that you know and and now you've got guys like tom kim chasing chasing his tails like you know um so i think he's going to continue on this on, on this uh trend as well like cooper mentioned the the distance do you remember when bryson obviously won the us open a couple of years ago and you know he took apart bay hill then as well and rory was kind of reassessing what he needed to do and he was chasing distance and i think that kind of set him back a bit but ironically he's actually gained speed and distance since he gave up trying to um trying to chase bryson um and uh an extra extra distance in general so um I think he's got good people around him as well now i think like you know there's been a lot of talk about brad faxon he's turned you know from being a player you're concerned from you know 10 feet in a lot of the time to now being one of the best out there and faxon definitely deserves a lot of credit for that i think bob Rotella obviously as well has done a bit on the mental side of the game so i think he's kind of found what he needs now to you know kind of cement his place as world number one obviously majors are the thing that we're going to talk about but i think given all those stats it's 23 pga tour victories it's 31 worldwide i think it is he's got another eight um around the world so 31 victories you know it's it's a, it's an incredible it's an incredible uh stat like to look at and um yeah i think hopefully he can stay stay strong and um there's a cu- couple of lads obviously chasing him there but I think you know he's he's in his rightful place right now anyway he's 33 so like you mentioned 31 worldwide wins and all the rest of it like i think i mentioned at the end of the pod last week it feels like he's almost got three stages to his career or so far he's entering into his third stage of the career like the first stage is when he burst on the scene and then he won those majors and then the second phase was like the last few years kind of from 2015 to maybe a year ago where he just he was good but he wasn't getting the job done cooper he feels it feels different now like joe mentioned the work with bob rotella brad fax and like we've all known he can drive the ball incredibly well um his putting seems to have improved so much his wedge game seems to have improved so much his mind seems to be in such a good place i can really see him kicking on and and actually getting the job done on majors now yeah there's there's lots to kind of talk about there but there's one variable that kind of 
may or may not be um uh I, I some sort of had some sort of an impact on why he's playing so well and it's the the big live like he's he's after yeah. taking on this mantle as the pga tours knight in shining armor trying to defend everything that is the pga tour and you'd wonder if the fact that he's gotten so passionate about it now he feels the need to step up along with the likes of jt ram and all the boys who've come out as kind of the um the the guys totally anti-live on the pga tour at the top of the game um and yeah i i just think that might actually have some sort of an impact on him and they kind of feel the internal pressure to need to perform just to kind of shut up any of the naysayers and say this is the best league in the world this is where all the best players come to play and i I'd, I'd say it has had some sort of impact on him because he has taken quite a burden um himself jt the, the kind of earlier on this year um are the kind of two notables but it, it does seem that we've had some amazing finishes with some of the top players over the last few months and it'd be interesting to hear if if after maybe a, a year down the line to ask them about those tournaments did that have any impact on your play did that kind of light a fire on you to to try and play better to um to, to show the world that this is the best tour in the world um so the the new thing may or may not have a have an impact but he did um as as you said they're kind of the the the, the levels of golf he's playing and the stages through his career he if, if you look at the world's rankings and i think whatever he came onto the scene first year like whatever number in hundreds it was but then from then on like it's it's basically steady and it's a straight flat line of being in the top 10 15 in the world for the last 10 years and a lot of other players might have hit peaks at certain stages like you think of speed back around 2015 when he was winning majors you think of mm. dj when he was uh, missing puts and whistling straights and like they were all kind of had their time and had their kind of spurt even harrington had an amazing kind of 18 months winning three majors but to keep that going and to actually keep performing at the highest level for a decade is just incredibly hard and the fact that he's now back there without dropping outside the top 15 in that long a period is we it's so underrated to be honest um and that's why there's so many kind of mcelroy not haters but like oh he's just shite he never wins um he doesn't always win but he's always there and thereabouts he's always not too far away in majors he's always in top tens he, he's consistently in the fedex cup final round in east lake he's always on the Ryder cup teams he's he's just the most consistent player i think we've, we've had or we've seen in in a very long time and the only kind of shadow over it is he should have way more wins he hasn't won a major since 2014 he he, he could be on track to give jack a run if some of the if he didn't have any fucking silly first rounds or stupid four puts on the 12th in augusta or, like there's loads of things you can look back on and say this is why he didn't win this tournament but like it seems to be minutes of concentration lapses so it's it's hopefully as you said he seems to be in a far better place now he's the right people around him and when he gets into these situations over the next 10 years hopefully he'll be able to, to close them out and make sure that the record that he has when he finishes career is is what is what he actually deserves to be remembered for as one of the best golfers to ever live i think that's such a an interesting point i get the sense that a lot of irish people in particular 
don't particularly like him. Um, I mean, I love the guy because of what he's what he's done. But I think I think there is that like what what you talk about, Cooper, because of, it's 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 due to your expectations, isn't it? Like because he has been up there for so long and he's done what he's done. People just expect him to win stuff. And like say when he comes um well third in the open this year, but he's leading on, on the back now and he doesn't get the job done, you know, people are, are criticizing him all over the place. But like I don't know. You you bring up the the other names and the, the point around all these these spurts that players have had, like Harrington, you're right, that first one two thousand seven to two thousand eight. We had Brooks won four majors in what two, three years. Speed went on that tear, winning three majors. Um, even like Jason Day was dominant for a while. Like yeah. Ricky never yeah, got yeah. the job with majors, kept yeah, like DJ DJ's probably been the only one to rival him in terms of consistency, and yet DJ's only won two majors. He probably won more PGA tour events than Joe. You mentioned he spent longer at uh world number one but if you look at the full package from the time rory burst on the scene and say when what 2008 2009 till now no one has been able to match them like if um, you were given a bet in 2014 to say rory McIlroy won't win a major for the next eight years the odds would have been fucking fifty thousand to one yeah. it's like he's obviously going to win five majors in that space of time like it's it's hard to it's hard to comprehend that he hasn't but anyway, to someone in 2014 that he wouldn't go on and win more. And then you could go another level and say, well, then he's obviously just gone completely useless at golf. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> he'll be in contention <laughs> every year and he'll be back to world number one in 2022. And it's like, no, how does that career kind of path work? How does someone do that for that long? Or, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a bit, I'd say, and I'd say that the person who's most disappointed is himself because he knows he, he has all these majors in the back pocket and he just can't seem to, get them out um or get get the ball in the hole when he needs to or put a clean fucking 18 holes around um just to keep himself in contention because he has an awful habit as we've talked about before of just doubling the first and then shooting 65 and then losing by two shots like it's just stupid things so yeah it's um it's 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 disappointing but like he's but he's definitely as harsh as critic yeah i think but I think 2022, look, there's recency bias here as well, but given his performances in the majors this year, like, you know, not so outside the top eight in any of them, obviously second place at the Masters. Now that was, you can look at that two ways. It was a backdoor second place, obviously, uh, shot 64 on Sunday. We all remember that bunker shot on 18, obviously. But I think what's really kind of caught my eye in the last few months is the reaction to the the uh, lost Cam Smith at the Open, given, you know, that was, you know, it was his for the win. And essentially, you know, he obviously, he just couldn't hold a putt on that final day. He didn't exactly lose it, but didn't go out and win it, which is, you know, he would obviously see himself as a closer. And every every stat we've kind of talked about obviously shows shows that as well. But his reaction to that has been like phenomenal his 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 performances as we mentioned over the last couple of months you know he went to europe and he didn't obviously win but he was just there thereabouts like in in every event obviously he was he was an inch away from bringing larry to a playoff at wentworth you know he came close in italy and then 
<clears throat> he bookended that with wins at the Tour Championship and at the weekend as well. So, you know, he could have easily crawled into a ball, you know, and just said, you know, uh, you know, because obviously the Open is the is the eight months between majors at that point. So he could have been very deflated, but he's shown a real positivity. Now, some people will say that's just a perfect example of Roy McIlroy. You know, he he can't do it in the majors, and you know he'll uh, he'll go out and dominate in other events. But I think given how dominant he has been over the last few months, and and really this year, and he's back to world number one. I think he sees himself as the best player in the world. And now that he has that status, if he goes into as number one, I think that'll give him so much confidence. And I think, you know, what do world number ones do? They win majors. And I think, you know, he'll 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 find his, his place there again. I agree. He'll have his, his swagger back a bit. And like <clears throat> the heartbreak at the Open, I think he'll have learned quite a bit from that. The fact that he went out on the Sunday and didn't win it as you say like he played all right he didn't necessarily you know lose it or throw it away but he didn't go out and win it but when augusta rocks around next year i think he'll have learned a lot like if <clears throat> if you think of when he won his first major he obviously had augusta 2011 where he had the meltdown and the very next major he came out and dominated the us open um i know there's obviously more space in between these majors the open in what july and then <clears throat> the masters isn't until april next year and everything could change between now and then but i can i can really see him learning from that experience if he continues his form he goes in there as world number one and he you know he pins the shoulder shoulders back and he's strolling down the fairways um i agree with you he completely he loves being number one he loves being the the kind of the main man and and showing yeah. off i was going to say to you cooper the um the being the spokesperson for the pga tour i think he probably thrives off that you know being being the uh front and center yeah no 100 it, it definitely has some sort of an impact i was just going to say the um I think if we mentioned it a few weeks ago mcroy to win a major in 2023 is is, is still two to one i'm surprised it's not going into 64 now because that is that's probably the well i'm not going to say a certainty based on his last eight years but like if we've if if he was ever going to complete the grand slam and add a few majors to his tally this is uh, as long as he can keep the fire burning for whatever five six months or just take a break and then come back i don't know around the the the, the kind of middle east swing on the dp world tour and just plod along as world number one and then come to augusta as the the the, the hot favorite on on a serious bit of form um yeah i just i just really hope for himself that again he he, he doesn't do as, as joe was saying a backdoor second kind of job and that he's actually contesting because when he's when he is kind of out of the hunt that's when he seems to play his best and if rotella can just fucking get that mindset ingrained into him from 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 hole one through to 72 he'll he he could win he could win every week like it, it's it, it literally if he had the mindset tiger had he has the ability to 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 go on that kind of a run of dominance so yeah let's just hope dr bob can uh can can, can do his magic stuff or give him a give him a sip of michael's magic water <laughs> i think yeah, actually the interesting point being the being the pj spokesperson um i think one thing we've noticed as well is he plays very well with a chip on his shoulder 
mm. uh, the first live event, I think, at uh, Centurion Club in the summer. He went out and won in Canada. That was the same weekend. And obviously there was a bit of, you know, dialogue that week and, you know, he made comments and he obviously has since. And I see the live bots were out at the, uh, after Sunday's win saying, um, he, you know, he won against a limited field, even though it was 15 of the top 20 uh, playing at the CJ Cup. And I think the more, you know, that, um, he, the more he hears those comments, I think that'll fuel his fire. And I think he'll welcome it. Uh, and there's no doubt there will be a lot coming up to the Masters next year. So I'd say it's definitely something that um, that encourages him. So I think it's a, it's a different side we've seen to him. Well, he doesn't have a, a man who thinks Augusta is a power 67 to worry about next year at this stage anyway. Well, Cooper, you mentioned just before we started recording that there may be some, some new names going to live. And I actually haven't heard any of this. So come on, who, give, give us the give us the goods, the, the juice. Um, yeah. So the, the first one is, and um, again, this is as we've said already, live bot central, like absolute spam accounts. But they, so sorry now to to frame this. The same account that um, claimed that Ram was going to live, and then Ram called it out specifically, um, was posting this as well, and it's it's trodden around online, but. The first one is Ricky Fowler, um, and he's reportedly been offered eighty-five million to go over. Now, if you were to say twelve months ago, I would have had Ricky Fowler very high on the list to go, mm. because like the Stensons, Westwoods, Poulters, his career felt over, even as young as he is, what around thirty-two, thirty-three, and. He just he, he couldn't play golf. He was just a name. He was a brand. Um, so at that stage, is he was probably not being offered that much. I'd say he was approached, but the fact that he's gotten back into form now and he's back competing and he seems to be loving golf again with Butch, like I, I find it very very hard to believe that he he would go now. Um, I think he's more of a JT Rory type kind of a really proud kind of and just would be one of those defenders of the tour if he was in better form or if he was higher in the world he, rankings he does love his sponsors i mean of all the players he's he's had huge criticism over the last couple of years hasn't he as to spending too many days at sponsors events and all this sort of stuff yeah. it's actually so as one of the reasons for his downfall yeah and they would drop like flies especially the ones he has um if if anything was to happen or if he was to move over um i i just don't think i, I really don't think he's gonna go um i i hope he doesn't because again he's used one of those guys who we kind of grew up watching come onto the scene as well like uh, was it yeah it was quail hollow um i think when he when he when he got his first win and he was in a playoff i think could have been with jt or like a few other young lads it was fucking unreal to to watch but yeah anyway that's that's number one um but number, number two is a man who uh who on a day when only a handful of people broke um level power in augusta he had 11 birdies back in 2009 in his first ever masters appearance do you know who it is that year, he he won three times in his on his PGA Tour, he, and he was on a Ryder Cup and a Presidents Cup that year. 
Anthony Kim. Anthony, Anthony Kim. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Anthony Anthony Kim and his big AK belt buckle. No. Um, so he's not. He hasn't been. There's no numbers floating around. There's no anything. The only reason this is kind of been speculated now is because Liv requested in the lawsuit. They requested that the PJ Tour give them a list of all the players that they've spoken to about Liv or about the Saudi League. And that could have been broadcasters, um, like media, but obviously includes golfers as well. And that somehow came up in it, even though he hasn't played golf in 10 years. Like a bit, just a small bit of background on Kim and why he's not playing. Um, like he stopped playing in 2012, so it's literally 10 years ago. Um, and I think when he was younger, he, he he had a chance to be a be an NBA player, but he kept having injuries in his ankles, and that was eventually it's what caught up to him in golf as well. Um, I don't know. He's, he's he's I don't think he was a Rory kind of small, but he just he was playing basketball at a high level in in high school and college, and then he just getting to he got too many injuries, so. He said, let's focus on golf instead, or him and his dad decided that. Um, but it's the ankle that keeps coming back to haunt him. And the fact that he hasn't played since 2012, um, when you get a career-ending injury on the PGA Tour, you get insurance, essentially. And so it's like, I don't know, between 10 and 20 million or a certain amount every year. So if he was to go back playing, that's taken away. So there's probably a, I'd say he's able to play golf, but he's happy enough to be getting a few million quid a year to not play on the PGA Tour. Um, but that's why he hasn't played since 2012, even though he was literally like the hottest piece of property on the on the golfing market at the time. Um, and he's, he's also 37 now. <clears throat> oh, he's just he's, the Val- yeah, Valhalla yeah. one, wasn't it? The, against Valhalla. Sergio on the on the final day. He rose to Sergio that day. Yeah, yeah. He, he was one of the most exciting players to watch. Like, yeah, he was. He had that fire. He uh, didn't he hold a putt against Sergio on the 14th to win, but he was so pumped that he just ran to the next tee, and Sergio was just waiting on the green to shake his hand, and he had to run yeah. back from the tee to shake shake Sergio's hand. He's uh, yeah, he God, his his fall obviously due to injury, but he was um, well due to injury or an alleged insurance scam. I think Cooper, you brought up the, the insurance thing, but the the big the big talk about Anthony Kim is you you put it so politely and softly, Cooper. But the whole thing is he's supposed to be a big fraudster. That this this alleged injury that happened that was supposedly career ending. My bollocks! He just was See, guaranteed. When, when, when he goes to live now, Con is going to say, "What a player! What a player! What a man!" <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what he'd shoot though. Like, I mean, surely he'll come back in his first. His first round or two, and then like, oh well, he's I know, obviously like he's, he's he hasn't played competitive round of golf in ten years. He's thirty seven. Like, it, to for him to come back and play golf now would be, it would be absolutely miraculous. Is probably the word. Um, but it's just as we've said, like we we haven't seen the man hit a ball in ten years, and I still get excited thinking about those eleven birdies in Augusta. Like, that was yeah. the most outrageous fucking bit of bit of golf uh, on a really shitty day i think the average score was like two over and there's this fucker out there packing 11 birdies a record 11 birdies around augusta um but he would like again it's a very similar situation to ricky 
it has nothing to do about golf. It's all to do with the brand and the audience that he would bring in with him. And mm. to be fair, as much as Ricky would bring in a big crowd, Anthony Kim, I think, could could be a, a very smart kind of tactical signing for them. Even if he fucking is on the same level as Perez at this stage, like he would literally be fighting with Pat Perez for last place. Um, yeah. If he was to come back now. But again, I don't think they give a shit about getting the best players. They just want better names, bigger names, bigger audience, bigger demographics. Well, I, would tune in. I mean, yeah. if, if Anthony Kim is playing, I'm, I'm going to watch. Like 100%. I think the whole golf world would watch just because of how much we kind of miss him and miss the, what he brings to golf. But that's all they want. They don't give a shit if he shoots eight over. We'll still get these live bots saying there's 200,000 people watching Anthony Kim's first tee shot. Like that's all they, they're just trying to do a numbers game. And in fairness, he would actually help in the short term. Anyway, he'd probably shoot 10 over and then everyone would be like, oh, that's very disappointing. He should have stayed retired. Um, but yeah, Ricky Fowler and Anthony Kim, they would be two good, uh, good, uh, Good robs for for you and the lads, Con. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you also have to point out that this is speculation. This stage, these names are not confirmed. Oh, sorry, his his name literally appears in the document to say that the PGA Tour have talked to him about the Saudi Golf League. That's literally it. There's no numbers, nothing. But the fact but, that his name was in there just sent everyone into a fucking spiral. <laughs> for him to have given up playing on the pga tour and take the money for whatever this insurance thing was the money for the insurance thing must have been pretty good and if the money was pretty good for that and if he goes and plays golf with live i wonder does he run the risk of that insurance thing like oh it'll be gone but yeah. but also would he i wonder would he have to pay it back and all that sort of stuff so like live i think no, it's like an annual amount yeah, I think it's an annual amount, and Liv would pay it off anyway. Mm. Um, but like, I, I, I can't. Remember. It's definitely between ten and twenty million, and I don't think it's a lump sum. It's it has to be an annual sum. It can't be a lump sum at the end of ten years. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a good amount of money. It's it's not it's not more than it's probably half what Sheffler made this year, kind of thing. It's not like it's probably very comfortable money to live on, but. I'd say he's at something else as well. Like he's not, um, he's 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 a fairly flashy guy. So I'd say that if it was only a couple of hundred grand every year, I'd say he'd blow through it fairly quick. Especially considering he probably made a couple of million on his first year on tour, or yeah. for every year to be played on tour. So um, yeah, I, I I'll find out the numbers, and we'll probably talk about it with Dave next week if anything is confirmed. Because he'd, I think, Dave got a bit sick if he heard that. But um, <laughs> it's it's definitely ten to twenty million. That's that's a number floating around. I don't think that's an annual number. That's I think that maybe is over a certain amount of years. But yeah, it'll be um that would be that would be like up there with Stenson, Ryder Cup captain leaving for live, Cam Smith Open champion leaving for live. That that would be one of the big scalps of the the live PJ Tour saga. It would, but as you say, not for golfing um, purposes. No. Reasons. Um, speaking of live, so their season finale is coming up this week in Trump Doral. So um, the singles season was boxed off a couple of weeks ago with that Saudi event, the the one that Brooks won uh, with uh, an audience of about six people. So they're heading to Trump Doral this week. 
of course we're familiar with because um pj tour used to stop there i think there's world golf championships that that were on there in years gone by um and now uh yeah so trump has been involved with pj tour for a few years and now they've got rid of them so trump is now siding with the lead of live guys but anyway the the season finale this week is the team event so i doubt people have sorry i'm just getting messages here ireland have just beaten england at uh at, at the cricket no here. way yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. unbelievable uh, i was i was watching <laughs> there in in the mcg in melbourne and um, anyway so live <laughs> team finale in talking about talking about a great irish win over england instead of live that's absolutely great form with yeah, the irish lads let's focus on that yeah. instead yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but um the way this thing works now so there's 50 million dollars up for grabs it's a mixture of stroke play uh and match play so each team is seeded going into this based on their performance year to date how it stands going into it um seeded one we've got the four aces which is dj taylor gooch patrick reed and pat perez their top dogs then you've got the crushers which is bryson casey lahiri and charles held the third fireballs led by sergio the stinger golf club uh, that's the south african team led by louis and then brooks and his buddies from smash they didn't make the top four then it goes all the way down to uh 12th place where we have the niblicks which is led by watson um james <laughs> Hyatt, whatever anyway the way the way this thing works oh yeah i think it actually could be reasonably interesting it is confusing so i'll try to make it as simple as possible so it's over three days obviously you've got the quarterfinals on day one and um, the top four teams get a buy so they don't play in the first day so um it'll be teams five to twelve playing uh there were two singles matches a foursomes match and i suppose it's an uneven number so it means that there will be a winner it's not like it's you know four singles matches um so it could finish two two so the day two the, the teams that got through from day one go into the semis and play the top four teams same format as the first day and then the four winning teams advance to the final um and that is stroke play with all four scores to count for all the lads so basically 16 lads in the final i know that was probably confusing joe um are you going to watch any of this i think what was most confusing there was you mentioned the word top dog after paparez's name um <laughs> which is quite ironic yeah i won't be watching it be tuning into portugal masters for the weekend um but I do agree with you that they're onto something with the format. I think whatever about the first couple of days, I think that final final day, what is it? The four teams and it's it's stroke play, is it? Four scores to count. On the last day, yeah. Yeah, I think they're definitely onto something with that in that there can be there can be massive swings there in scores yeah. on the last day, you know the implications of a guy the leading team say one of them makes a bogey and the the team in second place you know guy makes a birdie you know there there's 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 a scope there for for uh for a decent watch for for those tuning in 
I think I think it, the the team event how they've executed it so far has appeared to be fairly substandard. I I don't know I, I don't know if it's worked, um. But I think this could be something that might work, given all sixteen men on the course's shots will matter, and I imagine mm. you know the four teams will be in it until until late enough on the on the back nine, so. Yeah, uh, the 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 point about Trump as well. Obviously, it's at it's at Doral. I don't know if you saw. There's uh, rumors that his course in Aberdeen, Trump International, uh, is rumored to uh, be hosting a European Seniors event, which is actually sanctioned by the DP World Tour and, and Key Pele. So that that's the reports anyway. He. Sorry, Joe, you, you cut out a little. You cut out just a little bit there. You said Trump's course in Aberdeen is what going to host a seniors tour event. Yeah, European seniors tour, which is now known as the Legends Tour, I suppose. Oh. Um, but yeah, they they're going to reportedly uh, be hosting uh, one of the events. I think maybe next year, and this would have to be approved by by the likes of Keep Pele and and the DP World Tour. So obviously. That would raise some questions about the 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 DP World Tour's allegiance, given Trump's association with uh, with Live, uh, with Live Golf. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Trump obviously he hails this as as the best course in the world. Uh, I think he's been trying for years to try and get it to host a, a Scottish Open. You know, with the, with the idea that'll eventually host a, a British Open someday, but. Um, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of backlash for 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 many reasons, obviously. Um, but he's he's kind of in the camp of Norman, I suppose, being being Sarah with the PGA Tour. Given I think you mentioned the con about um, the you know he used to host the WGC event at Doral, but he was uh, he was uh, removed that, that was removed from the schedule there. I think it was 2016. Um, so he's got a bit of a I think he's got a bit of a war going on with the PGA Tour himself, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, he owns Turnberry as well, which is um, mm. which is not going to host an Open Championship until uh, while he's involved. The you know the the RNA has said it. I think uh, various different parties have said that he's not going to that the Turnberry, which is which is obviously a shame because it's a you know serious quality course. So. Um, I'm sure Trump's relationship with Liv, though, will, will be going on for a few years anyway. Can yeah, uh, sure, even even on <clears throat> on the Trump relate, like, I'm, I'm sure Pelly and the lads can find a, another decent course in a decent course in Scotland to, to host the Legends Tour. I don't think that'd be a, a major issue. Um, but yeah, like he is, it, we've I think we've spoken about it before between um. Does he have one of the courses in Brisbane Con? Yeah. Um, so like, there's they're talking about bringing a live event there. There's oh, that was one going. Norman course. No, that was the Brook. Brook oh, Norman. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's obviously Trump doing beg has been pegged for a 2024 live event. So like, it's just a it's it's the Donald Trump company and the Greg Norman shambles of a would you go organization. to that? No, would you go? Not a chance. No, I'd I'd just yeah. love I'd love to to continue the trend of there being six people watching on every hole. Most of them probably affiliated with players. Um, just no no interest in it. Like this weekend, the the big the biggest fucking draw to me to watch this is Travis Scott and Snoop Dogg. 
Like yeah, there was savage, there was savage music lineup as well. Um, which, like, if that's on YouTube, I might tune in um, to the ecstatic hundred people in the crowd going absolutely nuts. Um, but like, it's like I, I, I actually might watch it this weekend just to kind of see how the format goes. Um, particularly on the last day when there's only sixteen players on the course and the cameras are forced to actually show us Pat Perez. Um, like the, the, I'd say DJ is literally, <laughs> he, he probably doesn't give that much of a shit cause he won so much money, but like, he's probably literally talking to Paparez like a child saying, you have to don't <laughs> double bogey anything. Like he's going to, because all four scores count the four aces, they're probably going into it favorites. And I would literally back anyone against them because that lead balloon is going to drag them right down to the bottom. Um, but it's the, the match play is, is interesting, as you said, Con. That's exactly why it's not singles matches, just so it can't end in a draw and they need to get it all done as quickly as they can. But um again, they made this in a in a test tube about a month ago. Like it's 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 all brand new, it's all A B test and it's it's just trial and error. I think they said as well, Norman has used the phrase um uh, the pilot year or the kind of test run for live multiple times in the last few weeks kind of just emphasizing that this is all just kind of a dry run for when they really kick off next year um but yeah i might i might tune in just to just to see the kind of the the response to it um or kind of what i what i actually think of and try and throw the bias out the window just for for a few hours um just to see as a format because again we spoke with this months ago um like the pj tour had something similar to this and some brands had their teams like i don't know the the tideless footjoy team with justin thomas and jordan street or the under armor team with jordan speed and the strixon team with shane larry if that was on this weekend i would be absolutely buzzing for it because it is it's something different it'd be like an f1 style event in golf and if if that was on and if it was a, a regular part of the pga tour just something radically different i would absolutely be all for that it's just this the way everything's happened obviously it's it's been a total what, shit what is it then though what is it because that's kind of the way i feel about the whole thing it's like you do I, I, obviously um we can be judgmental about where the money's come from and that's with well within reason um but you mentioned to go in with your eyes open so to speak this weekend what do you think it is that would have your eyes closed oh it's just everything that it's built on like <clears throat> like if you leave norman and then the kind of live or the Saudi investment fund out of it like this 54 hole 54 hole malarkey fucking shotgun starts um essentially amateurs playing in the field with the likes of cam smith and then trying to justify that it's a world-class field all the shit going on with the lawsuits patrick reed being there in any capacity um like there's there's so many things that i really just dislike about it um not and and the main thing is it's just the the actual the the history of it like the i, I actually can't even remember who won the first one was dj or i think it was. I, I can't remember one yeah but like that will be probably the only kind of stats that i remember at all from from live and they're trying to they're just trying to disrupt everything um Obviously, there was changes that need to be made to the PGA Tour. It needed some sort of a catalyst for change. This, to be fair, has been a catalyst for change, and there has been improvements made. 
the four tournaments now, or the eight tournaments, and the four new ones that were recently announced that are getting the, the kind of up in person, the up in um, standing on the PGA Tour. It's going to be a positive change on that. But the, the shit that it's brought into the President's Cup, I'm just praying it doesn't bring that kind of, I, I guess, deflate the Ryder Cup in any way um, next year as well. It's just, it's been so divisive um, in the world of golf that it's, it, it has definitely stung, um, just, just stung the, 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 the chance of seeing all the best players in the world play against each other at the top level. Um, I'm sure the Netflix documentary coming out in February is is going to be very interesting because they somehow fucking pick the best year in the world to, to make a golf documentary with behind-the-scenes footage of the PGA Tour and live. But, yeah, it's... I, I think it's a lot of hot air at the moment. Um, it still has to prove itself as an entity. Like, the Saudi Investment Fund don't throw literally billions of quid at something unless they see a return. Um, I think we've spoken about that as well in terms of revenues being literally zero at the moment or it all being a total kind of net loss or massive net loss in the short term. But yeah, it's when they, if they, if it does get more legitimized and more kind of brands start going into it, then we might start taking it seriously, but I'm still, I'm still looking at all these players who've moved away from chances to play in majors and chances to kind of earn uh, or, or kind of etch their name in history on the PGA Tour as a massive just loss for the game in general. So, yeah, long, long-winded answer, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in and throw the bias out the window, and we'll <laughs> chat about it next week. Joe, anything to add? Yeah, no, I agree with, with most of what Cooper says there about the reasons for not liking. I think we talked about that at length already. We we don't repeat ourselves. But I think, like, yeah, like the whole manufactured kind of enthusiasm as well um, that the presenters have. And um, these players are, you know, have filed a lawsuit against their own, you know, colleagues as well, you know, on the PGA Tour, essentially. Um, and yeah it's it, yeah the the people the people that are responsible for bringing live to us you have to look at their intentions as well we've you know not only the the saudi pif obviously but norman as well he he just wants to you know he wants to get revenge on the pga tour so i think you have to be skeptical about people with those intentions um yeah sorry just on that show like i didn't even mention the fact that it's a norman trump fucking combo like two of the most hated people in their respected fields <laughs> like jesus there yeah. um there's a, there's a very good article or good read or listen i listen to it for anyone who hasn't been immersed in the live debate like we have since day one so you know if you're if you're kind of like oh i know something is happening with this lifting and pj tour but you don't know um all the details or that's the extent of your knowledge then check out the there's this article in the new yorker um very good i won't go into too much detail but some interesting things it says that according to the live guys uh live roman numerals for 54 comes from the perfect score not necessarily the number of holes um, oh. <laughs> but anyway the the um it goes into the details there's this this whoever wrote the article spent a lot of time at the live events and they spent time with the ceo of golf saudi and um it goes into 
yeah a lot of the kind of behind the scenes stuff and, and tracks it chronologically um but anyway it's a very good listen and uh, i would recommend anyone check it out on the new yorker apparently the new yorker is very good um journalists very good writing apparently too um we should begin to wrap it up we haven't i'll do a quick whip round as to some of the other highlights from last week there was european tour event in Mallorca. sunday was mayhem it was won by a guy called yannick paul german guy um marcus armitage grabbed the lead with four holes to go then he had a bit of a mare in the way in he bowed 16 double 17 and then your man Paul buried the 18th um, to to win it. Then did you see Champion Store? So the guy Steve Alker, um, he he's top spot on the Champion Store. He's leading the money list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won. Harrington came third, so that means Harrington Alker's first in the money list, and Harrington second. It's nearly a million dollars between them now. So I think Harrington came out and said that he's going to have to win his last two events to have any chance of 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 winning i don't i don't know this steve alker guy do you do you guys remember him i must just been late to the scene mm. he was the guy that ran clark close enough at the at the british seniors open was that him but I, re I remember thinking at the time if that was him anyway that i i hadn't heard of him um he's definitely on the on the lower side of the, the scale in terms of age he looks like he's just past the, the what is it 50 and um, mm. play on that um but no yeah i i've i've no memory of him playing on tour to be honest yeah but um week ahead we've got portugal masters i've played this course in Val in villamora um i'd say some of the listeners have too given that's a haven for golf tourism in that part of the world in, in portugal um joe you mentioned just before we started recording it's kind of coming to the end of the season for guys who are trying to make their their card but it seems johnny caldwell i think is the only irish person in the field who so we were kind of saying that maybe any irish guys that are significantly outside the top 117 to keep their cards are not bothering to go this week and probably concentrating on challenge tour and um, yeah there's there's a couple i think it's the I think the tops 117 secure their card. So that's in, I suppose, the DP World Tour ranking. So the top 117 get their card for next year. Um, so this is the last event that guys on that bubble basically can can play in. I think last year nobody actually broke into the, I think it was 122 last year, but um probably sign of the times with the DP World Tour that it's it's shrinking number. Um but yeah, you've got a couple of players like uh, Victor Dubuisson is is kind of one fourteen. I think Lucas Bjergard is outside it at the moment. He actually, I think he came second or third in this last year to break into it. So he's he's used to it. Um, Renato Cartore is another player's outside at the moment. Kind of two time winner on tour. Obviously, won the he was British Masters a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, and then after this event, I think we go into the 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 kind of deep world tour version of the playoffs there's there's a break and then there's the ned bank which is the top 64 and then after the ned bank then the top 50 play in the the final deep world tour championship which obviously will have rory and matt fitz and the and the likes playing in it so uh, a lot of the guys will know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of money obviously but there's a lot of 
world ranking points and, and and kind of stature to to secure there and um, if they can make it to to the top 50. Mm. And, and, so, and also also worth noting that this was uh where Larry won obviously 10 years ago at this course. Right. Yeah, remember some great some great pictures of him. No mm. beers, just a different man. <laughs> he jumped on the on the putting green when they were away on whoever it was to, to, to not beat him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did he he hit like was it the last he hit like a seven iron into like a foot? I think he I think he birdied the last. It was one of the holes down the stretch anyway. He he really he really won it. Um I think that was I his first win as pro. Yeah, it was wasn't it and then he holed that shot on like the 12 to 13 from the middle of the fairway um yeah i remember playing that course when i was very young and absolute class great great spot great part of the world um yeah, cooper you're stuart graham he's not he's not playing this week in the q school is he? he's playing next week isn't it uh yeah locker didn't go to plan so <clears throat> missed out on the um on the euro pro qualification for the um for the challenge tour um but he is in the second round of the uh deep world to tour uh qualifying so i think the first round or the second round of that is they're both in spain and i think it's kicking off next week so best of luck to him and any other irish lads who are who are in the hunt over there and that um i guess the only other irish coverage we have is our it's going to be my five euro bet this week anyway it's seamus power in bermuda mm-hmm. um you'll remember this course from about 10 years ago in harrington Harrington won here as well before. So oh, yeah, uh, at, at, uh, at 20 to 1, he looks like very, very good value. Um, considering he, he last week he was playing very well um, just kind of couldn't put the four ends together. But um, he, he's kind of gone off the radar after his big kind of spurt um, post-COVID. Um, but now hopefully hopefully um, he can continue a bit Irish form over in Bermuda and, and, and get the job done. Yeah, I don't know much about the golf course. I just remember it's beautiful and very windy. So Irish. crazy wind. I was yeah. Matt Fitzpatrick spoke about that before. He he said it was the windiest I've ever played, and that's coming from an English lad who played a lot of time in Scotland. So that just shows you that how difficult yeah. it is. Um, we're out of time there, lads. I think unless there's any other business, we will wrap it up there um thank you all for joining us for another week of unplayable we will chat to you next week